I just, I just realized I look like Doc from from Back to the Future. <laughs> I love the mad scientist look. I think that all yeah. the best artists I've, have that. I'm sure you've heard about all of this games GameStop shit. So I've been uh, this whole week has been a fucking roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was wake I was woken up early yesterday morning because Jan, my girlfriend Jan, was like, "You had you you bought AMC shares last year. You should sell them." I'm like, "Okay." So I just sold them. <laughs> I'm like, because it was such a fluke that I, I just like, yeah, locked out and I had them and um, that's nice. Yeah, I, I I didn't sell all of them, but I sold most of them. I'm just like, all right, yeah, this is too too shady for me. I'm more of a long term guy. So yeah, yeah, like, right. So am I. That's why this week has been so stressful. Like, uh, I locked in like some gains today, but. Like I still have a lot on the line and I'm just like half of me just wants it to be over. And like the other half of me is like, I don't like, I got Like I gotta see this out. You know, yeah. I don't want to kick myself later. So <laughs> it almost feels like, so I've tried to do the thing where like I actively monitor the market. I try to do short term gains, but then I only, well, after like a week, I feel like I've spent months at a casino and I just am exhausted. And, uh, I don't really? know. I don't know how. I don't know how people can pull that that stuff off. And so, like, you literally start visiting casinos. No, I just feel like I oh. have. <laughs> oh, you feel like you were at a casino. Yeah, yes, I, that's I, that's how I feel. And uh, I, when when if you were being literal there, I was going to be like, I'm not surprised. No, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the same thing. It, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And um, it's like, it's kind of more like poker because like you have a hand, right? Like we're sitting here and we're like, okay, we think these guys got to cover their shorts, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, like it's, you just don't know. I mean, these hedge funds, they're not telling us everything, you know, they're yeah. just not going to, and the media is not going to tell us everything. And so, yeah, it's a total, it's a gamble in the end. So yeah, I'm the same way. I, I just invest. I don't trade at all. This is the, I, I the only thing I regret is that I had a gut feeling that this was like, I do go on wall street bets a lot. Like I was there when it was only like 300,000 people and stuff. Um, and I knew that they were right. Like I was like, you know, this is probably a good trade, but again, it's a gamble. And I just wish I had listened to myself. Cause if I had done it, done it last week, I would be in such a good position right now. But you know, right now I'm like up a lot, but I'm taking like, like five digit swings like daily, you know? So it's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when I bought AMC, I, I, uh, I bought them with the assumption that theaters would be been reopened by now, and that it would be a good long term steady gain. You know, I was mm -hmm. expecting all those Marvel releases, uh -huh. uh, and then this thing just happened, and I, it's shady as hell, and I don't want to be involved in shadiness, so I just got rid of them. I'm just like, all right, I, I got a gain out of it. Um, but I was hoping to hold on to it for, you know, the next Marvel phase or whatever. And it's just because mm -hmm, AMC mm -hmm. was part of the whole GameStop Reddit. They call it something. What do they call it? Like yeah, Reddit? which is like dumb because like, you know, <laughs> at this point, we're not the ones pushing up the market. Like we don't have enough money, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It was literally See, disposable like, income. Sorry, what'd you say? It was really, literally the only disposable income I had last year is what I used. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> On AMC killer. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, we could go on like this for fucking hours. Yeah. Wild, but uh, let's do, let's do the All thing right. we came here. Well, I mean, I'll do a quick intro for everybody. Um, 
So the mad scientist in, on your screen right now is Brian Birnbaum, co-founder and executive editor at Animal Riot Press, Baltimore native, author of Emerald City. He uh, transplanted over to New York just like me. Only difference is he made it. How you doing, Brian? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I think no, you started I, I a press. That's a big, yeah, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's been great. Um, you know, it's been really rocky because um, we've, we've in, in, in 2020, not only was there the pandemic, but we also had to deal with, like, some legal stuff. That was really difficult, um, which hence the name change and everything. But, uh, but yeah, it's good. I mean, it's it's great to like um, kind of tie the community we've built together into something uh, with a name on it, I guess, or a legal name on it. I don't know. Yeah, I wish I wish I had been contacted when that all went down because I had some people I would have put you in touch with. And then you wouldn't have had to change the name, but I also understand that you don't really want to talk about that. So, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. It's an incident, no, I, uh, well, unless you, you want know, to, I, I appreciate <laughs> retroactively appreciate the <laughs> um, But uh, the name of the press now is Animal Riot Press. That's uh, that's a great name. And um, let's let's start with uh, the seeds of this thing. Because I'm interested in the story of how you started. I, uh, I, you started a press at a time when people aren't buying physical books as much as they used to. That's an interesting decision. Yes. Um, yeah. So let's start with the, the seeds of this thing. How far back? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it all starts with the reading series. Um, you know, the old name of the reading series. You know, now it's the Animal Riot reading series. But, um, you know, we... Uh, in 2014, I believe, yeah, I, I was the first person to read there, even though I wasn't, I'm not um, actually one of the official founders of the reading series. I'm kind of more of a mascot. <laughs> I, I came every week, um, you know, uh, and I still would if it was live, but, um, and I helped sell raffle tickets and everything. And I read the first, uh, the first time it was held. And I mean, the first time we, we held a, a reading, there was maybe 50 60 70 people there it was it was great from the get-go where um, were they where was the, where was this it's at uh downtown uptown downtown uptown. um so yeah let me start at the beginning i'm, I'm yeah, like sure, uh, sure. i got add you know so. that's fine <laughs> so let me uh start from the beginning um right so you know we're all at sarah lawrence college a, a few of us it's uh kate me katie rainey uh devin kelly um katie longa longafano was someone who used to run the reading series with all of us, but um, she moved to Brooklyn and started another one and all that stuff. But uh, she was there in the beginning. Um, and we had a couple other friends that kind of gave us support, but uh, so it was pretty much everyone from Sarah Lawrence. And then we kind of just, they had this idea one day and, you know, I was kind of just there as they had the back and forth talking about how to, how to start it and all that stuff. Um, and it's a lot of work, you know, it's a lot of work getting emails, like, you know, emails established, uh, getting it out to everyone. Um, and luckily Katie's got a, Katie and Devin are really good with uh, collaboration and community. That's their, it's the big ticket to this whole project, really. Um, that's what it's all about. Um, and yeah, I think it was September 14th, 15th. It was right near my birthday. Um, we had the first one. Um, I read with David Hollander, whose book uh, we just put out. That was our second title. And he read so much better than me. It was 
it was one of the first time I did the first times I've ever read. It was it was horrifying. But uh, yeah, like I said, it was it blew up from the get go, and um, the submissions that come in every month are it's crazy. Like it's it's a lot of work. Um, but it was really just a groundswell, and we kept going, kept going, and you know there are a lot of cool things that we had to deal with, um, like. In downtown uptown we call it dtut as i said uh they still kind of let patrons in while we're while we're there um so there's you know we got the mic set up and there's a, sh- a shit ton of people or um, sorry i don't know if i can say that yeah you can, uh, there's a lot of you people you can fucking curse it's all good all right cool, cool. We're good. <laughs> um and there are just people you know sometimes they come in they're obnoxious yeah. one of our favorite stories we like to tell is that a couple broke up in the bathroom while we were having, while, while the, like, you know, one of our fourth or fifth readers were reading. Um, and the bathroom's kind of just around this corner. Um, and, you know, like the mic's, the mic's kind of in front of this wall and then right around the corner of this wall, it's like, you know, so it's right behind them, just divided by one wall. And they're yelling so loud that we can just hear them clearly, like, as well as the reader, as if they had a mic. Um, I don't know, it might, it might have been, been like amplified by the mic even <laughs> like coming permeating the wall uh, what, um, i would have taken the mic and just aimed it to the bathroom <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right, that's right. more interesting than my writing <laughs> i know right and and uh, and to be fair the reader was extremely courteous um she just afterwards she just was all smiles whatever but uh so yeah we had to contend with that stuff and sometimes when people are obnoxious you know i'd i'd be the one to go back and be like all right shut the hell up guys. Like, come on, be respectful. You know, I know you guys came to this bar to have fun, but there are a million bars here. You know, you can go anywhere else if you don't want to be part of a reading series, whatever. So it's always been weird to me, but uh, that they let other people in, but I, I guess at the beginning more so, but then in the end I realized it, we would get a lot of just random people that came in and wanted to watch and stuff. Um, so anyway, it became kind of a household name in the literary community at least, you know, um, by the, uh, by the time we were getting ready to put out my book, I would go to these like parties or whatever. And if people were writers in New York, I would, I would mention it and they'd be like, Oh yeah, I know that. Like I know the reading series, I know the Anthony Wyatt reading series, whatever. Um, so it, it, that's basically why we spun it off into a press because I was going to publish a novel and I had gotten an agent. Um, it was a junior agent um, for Susan Gollum, who's, Jonathan Franzen's agent, um, uh, Rachel Kushner, someone that people probably like more. <laughs> um, you know, she wrote uh, The Flamethrowers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she's great. But so, like, really big time names, but, you know, and I was really excited, but about five months into our collaboration, if you want to call it, he kind of just left the industry. Um, I don't know why. And he tried to pass me along and it didn't work. And so I was pretty bummed, you know, it was, I thought I was kind of on my way. And then, uh, it fell through. And so I was texting my friend, John, who lives in Seattle. He was my roommate when I was living in Seattle right after college. Um, and he was just like, Hey, like, why don't we just start our own press and we'll publish your novel, you know? And that was it. Um, I told Katie about it. Um, I told Devin about it and it kind of just worked out that Katie wanted to be involved. I showed her the uh, business plan and we just went after it. And, you know, we've made a lot of mistakes, like for sure. Um, the legal stuff aside, that was more just unfortunate, but, uh, the more, more about the, um, you know, how to spend your money, like what to do with publicity and stuff like that. We realized that like, as a grassroots organization, 
it's better to behave that way. Like uh, we try, we tried to use some capital to kind of garner attention, eyeball support, like, you know, spread the news, whatever. And um, my advice to people that are starting a press, like the only way I would spend money is if it's on marketing, like digital marketing or mm-hmm. something like that. But anyway, long, long story short, uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, um, we basically worked our asses off for a year trying to put this thing together. We contracted um, Olivia Kroom, who's worked at a lot of big presses and um, is a freelancer for book design. Uh, you know, we got editors. I mean, we did all the professional stuff, like, you know, so we're kind of proving that you can do all the things that the big shots can do, you know, in-house. Um, but it is a lot harder. It's a, it's a labor of love, um, you know, unless you get a book that kind of blows up, you know. Um, yeah. And my book did, you know, not that great. Um, it sold a little bit. David's book has done pretty well. So, you know, it's just kind of, you just got to keep working on it. It's, it's tough. It's yeah. a lot tougher than, uh, than other industries where the idea is kind of to just make money and like, you know, books, you don't, you don't go into books saying, you know, I want to make money. Yeah. I don't know. I hope I hit some of the, uh, important parts of that. Uh, yeah. I'd like to unpack, uh, kind of the workflow. So David's been working on this book for a long time. And even when I was in the MFA program, he was talking about it and potentially mm-hmm. publishing it under the former name. And so you get this manuscript. What, what is the workflow from the moment you get the first version of the manuscript? Yeah, that's a good question. The first thing we did was read it. We yeah. read it. Yeah. Um, I think that gave us a, just a good jumping off point. And it's kind of like how anyone else would do it. The editor reads it first, you know, and then it's not exactly the editor that's the line editor, or blah, blah, blah. Um, and in a small press, you gotta, you gotta wear many hats, but we read it first. And then obviously we decided to publish it already. It wasn't a submission. So the next step is we write down all the things that we want to do just between ourselves, between the high level editing like a, like our press is like executive editing. And then basically from there, we hire the line and like developmental editors. And we kind of work as a group, but they more work together. Um, for David's book, we did it more in-house um, because we, we kind of trusted David, you know? Um, and I guess maybe we trusted ourselves a little bit too, but we just had one editor instead of a developmental and then a line of a copy editor really. Um, so that's the first step and kind of meanwhile, you know, simultaneously at some point you start to get the PR stuff together, get the book design together, uh, you know, start planning like a little book tour. Um, and all of this stuff just happens on a massive spreadsheet with like many tabs, you know, it's just. It just takes a lot of organization and that, you know, that's all Katie, like she's hundred percent the go-to person for that. Um, I'm terrible with that stuff, yeah. but it's really just at that point, it's, it's just pounding the pavement. Really. It's just making phone calls, uh, making, you know, sending emails and really just hoping you hear back. Where, you know? where um, are you physically printing these? So we do Ingram spark, um, which is a print on demand service and, uh, you know, they do print runs as well. Yeah. Um, and so we have a deal with Amazon. So we do their 
we're an, we, we do like their affiliate program. So if people order through Amazon, they they'll get a print on demand copy. Um, gotcha. But you know, if we if we do our own print run, uh, we'll get some books from Ingram. Okay. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, we don't really use anyone else. It's it's that's pretty clever. much it's, it's pretty much Ingram. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Very I mean, clever. we're on Bookshop now, but. I'm not sure where the books come from. They could come from other sources, but I'm pretty sure it's Ingram. Um, I don't know how they do their 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 cheaper prices. Honestly, their markdowns are pretty. They have a crazy business model that I really respect. But is um is Amazon your highest grossing uh, area where you where you selling the most? Yes, for the second book. Yes, for the first for my book, it was more. Um, there were a lot of sales at the launch, which was great. You know, I would, we really wish we could add a launch for David. That was a struggle. Um, the whole, the whole doing this during a pandemic was an interesting thing. And I can talk about that a little bit too, but, uh, I sold more at the launch and then kind of at readings and stuff like that. And then I would kind of like, you know, if I met people, I would be like, um, in a certain situation, I would bring it up or something like that. And I hate that part. I hate being a shill for my own book. It sucks. But, uh, um, you got to do it today. Um, yeah. but, but David's book has been all Amazon a hundred percent because that's where we're at right now. Um, or, you know, or bookshop or Barnes and Noble, you can get it really anywhere, but yeah. we just have the, we have the deal with Amazon that like, you know, um, they're going to get a certain cut, you know, so that we can get a, a certain rate on books that are sold through there essentially. What was your, so obviously plans changed this past year because of the pandemic. What was your plan initially compared to what you ended up doing in terms of just getting that book exposure? Yeah, it was the same thing as doing uh, the same thing as my book, um, except minus the PR that we paid for the publicity. Um, we realized that we could do, we paid a good deal of money for publicity and we realized we could do it ourselves even better really. Yeah. So that, that was the big mistake I think we made. Um, but, uh, you know, that was so we were still able to do that, except we weren't able to do the in-person events. That was the big because especially because David is so good. He's such a good reader and he's such a good personality. Um, so that kind of sucked. But. Yeah, the launch, too, especially. I mean, we did a, a launch on Zoom and it went really well. Um, I hosted it with um, uh, someone at. One of the oh my god I can't believe I'm blanking on the name. <laughs> One of the bookstores up at Cold Spring where he where he lives. This is terrible. <laughs> Maybe it'll come back to me. But um, I and it went really well. It was great. It was yeah. amazing. Um, but you know, and so you have all the people like commenting and you know there's all this support and stuff. But you know, it would have been nice to have a real a real launch. That would have been great. Um, and then other than that, just the readings and meeting in person maybe sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of this is done remotely now, so we were able to pull it off. Um, other than that, it was, it wasn't damaging to the point where you know, we I, like where I think we could have done x times better. You know, yeah. Those are really the only changes. How did you get your startup capital? Really, uh, it's just John. John uh, John worked at Amazon for like ten years, and he kind of put up the seed money. Oh wow! Yeah, so it was just you, it was just his money. Yeah. Are you making enough back off the first two books that you can release a third? 
so yes and no. Have we made up for the first two books? No, because mainly because of the things that kind of happened outside of those two books. You know what I mean? Um, and I, maybe we wouldn't have quite broken even um, yet on the first two books, just because the first book was such a learning experience. Um, I mean, you know, you take someone like me who's an unknown author, and then we're publishing a book for the first time. It's not, it's not easy, you yeah. know, it's not easy at all. It's, it's, it's not exactly taking, in some ways it's harder because you're not trying to take a book and just put it on Amazon and sell copies. In a way that would be easier. Um, you know, we're, we're, we wanna retain that sort of community presence and that's really important to us. So having a real publishing shop is very important to us. And of course we wanna get there to the point, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, we don't care about sale, nothing like that. It's, it's more, it takes time. And so, you know, you put a, we have to do, you have to do so much more when you're putting out a professional novel, you know? Um, I mean, you know, every, everything from everything I told you to getting blurbs, you know, you got to get the right blurbs. All this stuff takes a lot of work. So the first book, we lost money. A lot of it was because of the stuff outside of our control. But the second book, we did really well. We did really well. Um, so if we can just keep that up, it's good. I mean, we have um, we have another book coming out by someone uh, named Annie Krabbenschmidt, who read at our who read at our series about two years ago. I want to say now, um, if I'm remembering right, and she's just brilliant. Like she's just a great writer. She's also pretty unknown, but she has a podcast and she has some followers, and she's really you know she's a hustler, um, and the writing's good. That's kind of all that matters to us, you know. And and really, the sad part is we have all these submissions that. I really want to go faster, obviously. Yeah. There's so many good books. We've, we've been in, for one person, we've been in talks with to the point where we had like a sit-down dinner, you know? Um, but it's just when those things happen in the beginning, there's there's fits and starts. So, yeah. But it sounds um, like you were able to move forward at some pace, which is... What's that? Sounds like you're able to move forward at some pace. You're not yes, stalled. Yeah, so that's yeah. a good thing. And especially, especially uh, considering the circumstances, I yeah. think it's, I think it's pretty great. I think I think we've done a really good job considering the circumstances. Um, and and the good news is, like you know, when you have a press and you have books in your catalog, you just keep building from that list. And every book you put out is just another book that we can put on the shelf and people can buy. Um, so it starts really slowly for us, uh, considering a lot of the, a lot of the things that happen, but. Um, it's, it is, it really is a labor of love uh, until you kind of start turning a profit like we did this year, you know? Yeah. If somebody wanted to start a sister press, uh, and I say sister because I don't believe that we're all in competition with one another. Um, uh, what, yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah. What, what sort of advice would you give them if they're just starting out, if they're just seeding the idea? What, what do you wish you had known? Before we started. Yeah. That's a really good question. Cause there's so many things, you know, I wish, I wish we had known how much labor had to go into each book. We, and mind you, we came in it pretty with pretty uh, clear heads. You know, we, we weren't like, Oh yeah, we're going to put out 10 books. We even had a so-called, you know, brother or sister sibling 
day press, you know, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, um, that we were kind of working with in the beginning, like, you know, to get advice, uh, these guys called, uh, SFK Southern, Southern fried karma. That's a, that's a mouthful. Southern fried karma. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this guy, Steve, who runs it is just, I mean, he's awesome. He's the greatest. Um, and he's, the thing is, he's a little bit older than us and he runs it more like a business. Uh, and I don't want to say that like, you know, he's looking for profit more. It's that he has a little bit more experience than us in, in running a business. Um, so we're getting there like this year, you can see we put out David's book and, you know, suddenly we're in the black just off of one year's experience, you know? Um, but we learned a lot from him. So I think we would have been maybe way worse off considering everything we went through. But I wish we had would have known how much labor that went into every book, because even with very um, reasonable standards, I want to say, we were thinking maybe three or four books a year to start. And now we're at maybe less than a book a year now. Like, I don't know if we're going to get a book again out by uh, September, yeah. you know, um, right now it's January. Like we could, we definitely could. I think it's possible. We don't have a set timeline yet right now, though. Um, because of everything that's gone on and you know it's just it's so much effort with the pandemic to you know for, for like i lost i lost my job for the, like during the yeah. pandemic so i had to move back to dc right now and you know kind of start over for myself while running this press and so it's tough it's re it's really tough so that's what i would say i would say everyone should set expectations and then maybe say hey look like it's okay if we don't meet those expectations and also to set them very reasonably um, because no one says you have to wake up tomorrow and then start a press. And then the next year you have to put out a book that sells yeah. 20,000 copies. You know, no one's putting a gun to your head and saying that. So yeah, um, I always tell creatives to, I always tell my like creatives who are, are looking for advice on the, that the, the goalposts are to stay productive, not necessarily to meet them. Like you can yes. move the goalposts and you can change what that goalpost is as yes, long as you yes, have something exactly. to keep you going. You know? mm -hmm. Eventually you'll, you'll finish the project if you just keep right. going. Um, that's it. I mean, that's it. It's, it's no different than writing a book. You know, yeah. if you're writing a book, you know, you can set a deadline, but if you meet the deadline and it's not good enough, <laughs> you're not going to put, you're not going to turn, you're not going to submit it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just not, it's not how it works. Um, I mean, you know, that's apropos of running a press. It's the same thing. Obviously, it is a business, so it's not the same thing. We can't say we're putting the book out on September 1st and then put it, put it out on October 30th. You know, it's that's not that's not a good look. You know, that's not professional. But um, at the same time, yeah, it's you can go at your own pace. And yeah, I'm trying to think of something else because there's so many things like th that are really important. Um, I would say really... We well, something that we did a really good job of, um, because I also think we did a good job with expectations, but we even kind of fell not short of it, but we were a little not as we weren't going as rapidly, I would say. But uh, also, um, make sure you organize yourself beforehand. You know, we had a we had a bit uh, a business plan written up. You know, John wrote up a, a business plan that was really remarkable. It had everything from you know, our mission statement, kind of the more motivational side to the, you know, the, the business analysis, the, the dollar cost analysis of like, you know, how much is X, Y, Z going to cost and how much are we going to get for X, Y, and Z, you know? Um, and I would really recommend that because, you know, as much as running a small press is not, 
you know, the, the fastest way to a million dollars. It's also, you know, you want to keep doing it. You want to keep doing it. The, one of the most important things is that you keep doing it for the writers. If we went under tomorrow and then David had a book out with a press that su- suddenly no longer existed, you know, that kind of sucks, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, and that happens to people. It does. It happens to people a lot. So, you know, uh, that's, what, that's what I would say. So the business plan was big. Um, you know, having an organized spreadsheet of pretty much every single thing you want to yeah. do you know, um, under which category, whether it's publicity, um, you know, blah, 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 everything. Um, and, you know, funny enough, neither of those two things are what I did. That's not <laughs> how I contributed. So of course I'm the one to say, you know, uh, you know, but I think the most mature thing I've heard from you though, is that you had these reasonable expectations. Like you were going to put out 10 bucks a year. You knew you weren't. And that's, that's, that to me is a sign of somebody who, who's going into this business venture that they've never been in that is mature about it. And um, God, I, I've met so many entrepreneurs who have no idea what they're getting into and they have these, mm-hmm. these crazy expectations because they have no radar for how mm-hmm. much work is going to go into these. And even if you didn't know how much labor was going to go into it, you still kind of must have had some sort of inkling that it wasn't going to be easy. <laughs> right. Right. So, right. Yeah. And, um, as much as you, you know, as much as I just told you that moving back home and everything was so hard for me at the same time, it did free up some time for me because, you know, when I was working a full-time job, that was also very hard, yeah. you know? Um, and you know, one thing you said is that, you know, people should have reasonable expectations. Uh, I also want people to know that it's also okay when you don't meet them it's kind of like there's this gap between being, I'll just put it bluntly stupid, you know, and saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're going, you know, we're going through the stratosphere with this, you know, like, like I have the idea that's going to take us there. I know it, you know, it's like, no, that's not going to work. An idea is literally probably 0.01% of of running a business. You know, It, it really is about how you, um, how you, how you maneuver to, uh, like consummating that idea. That's, that's, that's the game, you know? And I, I want people to know that on the way to, you know, getting here required a lot of failure, a lot of failure. And right now in a lot of ways, we're still failing, you know, it's like a lot of people look in at us and they're like, wow, this is amazing. You know, like, holy shit, like, this is incredible. Like, you know, you started the show. I mean, I know you were kidding, but, you know, like, you made it. It's like, we're, we're like, no, we, we know we didn't make it. Like, you know, we have a long way to go. But but at the same time, like, you're not going to get anywhere. That's the gap there. Like, you're not going to get anywhere unless you set those expectations. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like you said, it's about being aware that you're not there yet, you know? It's like, if you know that you haven't achieved X, Y, and Z, then then you're, you're you might be okay, you know? It's not... Nothing's, I mean, nothing's guaranteed in business. It's like most, com- the vast majority of companies don't work out, you know? So, yeah. well, you know, the, oh. the, the thing is, is I, I, first off, I always got the sense that it was probably not easy at any point to be doing what you're doing. But from the other side, the grass is always greener, right? So I was an undergrad. I, I think I finished in June of, 2019 at the same MFA program that you went to. It's where we met David Hollander. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and David was telling me about it. And the grass seemed so green. And there was also an element of jealousy where I'm like, my favorite professor is getting published by one of his former students. That is like a solid gold story. <laughs> uh, and so when I say you've made it, you've made it, you have made it, even though it doesn't feel like because it, it's never going to feel like it. Yes. And exactly. that's one thing that I've failed to get across again and again and again to people is no matter how far you get, you could have one of those Newberry prize things on your on the cover of your children's book, right? It's still not going to feel like you made it because it, mm-hmm. what it, you think it'll feel like beforehand is never what it feels like in reality. You could have a thousand books under your belt as a press and still be feeling like you're going into a labor driven job. Like it just is what it is and it's work. And uh, if that's, that's the one advice I really wish people would latch onto is it'll always feel like work, which is why it's so fucking important that you love it. It's why it's so important that you not do it just for the money. Uh, And uh, I think that that's, that lesson has been so recurring in these podcasts and it just popped up again. It's, and that the acceptance of that reality, it's just so important. And, um, yeah, but you know, where I sit, like the smart part of me knows that it's always going to be that way. But the romantic in me is so gel <laughs> that you got to publish yeah. David's book. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> cause it, it's not only a great book, it's, it's, fantastic writer who knows how to read so you you got the pleasure of organizing readings with him and uh that to me is worth all that hard work Mm -hmm, to be able to be a colleague of somebody that you're just like oh my god you know yeah that you kind of once idolized you know or once you know you still do it's just that you get to know the person yeah (laughs) you know um yeah and it's amazing getting to know someone that you idolized but uh when when yeah, I when I found out that he has to have three square meals a day just like me, I was wow. <laughs> right, right, yeah, I know. I mean, it was like that for for all of us. I mean, Katie, I actually didn't read LIE until after I got to grad school. Um, I have this weird thing where if there is broccoli, mashed potatoes, and steak on my plate, like I'm gonna eat the mashed potatoes last. You know what I mean? Like that's just me, or maybe with the steak, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, a lot of the things you're talking about are just like this push and pull. Uh, I mean, we all know that life is a series of these like paradoxes and yeah, I mean, it's, and in a lot of ways, it's just this striving for immortality or like posterity, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, even if you have the Nobel prize sitting on your desk or the Newberry, whatever, whatever the, the MacArthur or whatever, um, it's never going to be enough. It, it, it's you're searching for like, once you, you need that your ego needs to be involved but there needs to be this other half that is sated um as you're going along the process itself is what sates is is what satisfies you um so that because that's what keeps you going if it was all ego driven and it was all you know let's get like you know let's get recognized let's get to the top it would be it would be exhausting. It would never work. You would not, you, at some point you would, you would burn out, you know? Um, and it happens sometimes it's happened to me. It's happened to me. I mean, you know, when I lost that agent before I had that conversation with John, John K, um, 
I, sh I should just officially say John Kay is our our third co-founder, our, our first, whatever you want to call it. You know, uh, if you're gonna say <laughs> it's me, Katie, me, Katie Rainey, and John Kay. Um, and but I mean, before I had that conversation with him, it was hard. I mean, like I really thought I was going places. You know, I was having sit-down dinners with like this agency and stuff. You know, um, so it was a really tough moment for me. But if that was it, if that was all it was about, I would have just quit. Um, even though I've threatened to do that many times, <laughs> you know, we all get there. And the writing business is just very tough these days. Like, I don't know if I can just talk a little bit about that's another thing. That's a part of the timeline that I, you know, when you put someone on the spot, you're like, how did you get here? It's like, oh, shit, that took <laughs> like six one. years. Yeah. How do I say that? You know, no, right? like, it's say, really hard. You but, just uh, say that because. Yeah, that... it, but but the the reasons were one of the big parts were some of the big parts as well it's like uh we saw okay do you know sergio de la papa no no it's amazing how many people don't know him still even though he's kind of gotten a little bigger but he published this novel called uh, a naked singularity um in 2008 i want to say um and he before that he had sent it to maybe like 100 agents before his wife saw published it for him um and she somehow got tens of thousands of copies out the door. Um, and then it got picked up by the Chicago, the uh, Chicago University Press or Press of Chicago. I, I, I can't even remember. It was some academic press. It was, it was really strange. Um, and I mean, one of the best books, I'm not kidding you. Like, I'm not, I'm not just saying this for the sake of like being on a podcast and being sensationalist. Like literally one of the best books I've ever read in my life. Like the James Joyce of our time the ulysses of our time it is just unbelievable you know it's interesting um, that you just compared him to james joyce who i got back here uh -huh. because he's using the the dashes as well in much right, the same way right. i'm looking there are a lot of similarities I just pulled it up yeah uh, a lot of the similarities the dashes like you know n none of the dialogue stuff like you know some sometimes he uses the open quotes and stuff but um but it, there's a lot of similarities a lot of similarities but you know, it's modernized. It's extremely uh, witty. Um, it's, ex I mean, the language is, is highfalutin. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's hilarious. It, it's, it's everything I love about literary fiction in one book. It's like, it challenges you, but it's also down there in the muck with like all of us degenerates, just like, you know, having a good time. Like, I just, I love it so much, but so I read this book um, and then, you know, a few years later, like, I feel like I go through the same process as him. I'm sending my book out to all these agents and they're all rejecting it. I finally get one, I get dropped. Um, and so I finally meet the guy and like, I can't help but like cleave my way into a relationship, like a friendship with him and his wife, you know, <laughs> that, that, I feel like at some points they got so annoyed with me, but they would never say that. But uh, um, just, we love them so much. They came on the podcast, um, Sergio did. Uh, and but yeah, I mean, he just put, published a book with Penguin. Like, you know, it's like, you just, you know, and he he's right there with you. Like, he feels like, you know, you just don't, you don't make it. You just keep going and you keep loving what you do. Um, but there was a point I wanted to get back to. Right, why we started the press. Um, yeah. It's because I have a firm belief that the big presses are no longer going to be the advocates for the kind of work that I want to see anymore. Um, and part of that's still the young rebel in me that's like, you know, look, the man, you know, you know, all these Main Street bullshit, you know, whatever. Um, but a part of the vast majority of it is is real and genuine. It's like really 
fiction is not dying. It's like still there, but it's competing with a lot of other mediums that are a lot more accessible and they're easier. It's easier to sit down and just turn it off and just be absorbed in like a TV show or something, you know? And the big presses are scared of that. They're scared. And they think that by putting out more accessible, generic paint by numbers type material, it's going to help them. Like now we're going to compete with those mediums. And I couldn't disagree more. I think there, there are millions of Redditors out there. Speaking of like, you know, the time that we're in with all this GameStop shit. But speaking of Redditors, there are millions of these Redditors on here talking about the literary fiction that we love that, you know, that came at any point, you know, along the trajectory of the, you know, the innovation of this technology that we call fiction, you know, and they're hungry for this stuff. There are people that know about Sergio de la Pava because of this. There's there's a reason that all these people bought his book, even though they had no idea who the fuck this person was, you know? Um, And so that, that's a big part, you know, community, you know, starting the reading series, that was, you know, a major driver. Um, And also this whole idea of, you know, right now we're doing a very small part, but it's a part in upholding what we think should be a part of culture still. Um, and especially like art culture. Yeah. And I feel that I think that would be like my number one reason for doing anything is just because what I'm seeing out there isn't really out there. And you guys are putting out the kind of work I want to see. Like I'm going to yeah. be linking to this, this author as well as your book because uh, we discussed him, but I'm also going to order his book as soon as we're done uh, because um, these sort of more experimental styles is what I'm really into. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the majority of my book purchases these past three years have been either from an indie press or an academic press. I've The only book I've purchased as of late that is from a mainstream press was Obama's book book yeah (laughs) that's it and fair enough Uh, and yeah Yeah. and like it's too juicy (laughs) yeah it's too juicy i'm really into politics and so um but i'm 100 on board with your mission if you ever want to promote any future releases to this podcast you just let me know you guys are front of the line just want you to know awesome yeah awesome um anyway uh yeah i think we got a good about 45 minutes in i don't know how, how if you have a hard out if you want to keep going it's up to you uh yeah and um, let me see if there's anything i want to say um I, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I guess the only thing the only other thing i would say is that you know adding on to that whole idea of why we started the the press it's like yeah. we're not you know you know how i said like you know there's kind of this synthetic like you know inner rebel in me this like youth rebel um and i don't think that's as genuine because i really feel like this fiction is important you know it's not just like i think mainstream fiction should exist I think all of these things should exist. It's just that they shouldn't crowd out the things that are also really important, perhaps more important, you know, even if not as many people are going to read this stuff. I mean, our leaders, a long history, have been reading these things. You know, they've read, like, the feminist books, like, you know, that have gotten us here. They've read the postmodern books that have gotten here, like, all, all these intellectual movements. And now we're seeing that die out. I mean, like... Biden loves Scottish poetry, for example, like, you know, but with Trump, that was one of the first things we saw where it's like, this guy doesn't read, you know, and, and that's a, that's a reflection of the culture, you know? Um, And I think that's really scary and I don't like that. So I think, you know, and, and, and adding on to that, it's also that we don't just take, we don't just put out books that are like very 
pyrotechnic, like long sentences, like, you know, postmodern, all that stuff. And they'll see, people will see that with our next book. Annie's book is very, it's a, the language is a lot more cogent and incisive, um, not more incisive, but in a different way, in a cogent way, um, a lot tighter. Um, and again, not that like, you know, da like me or David's sentences aren't, but like, you know, it's just, it's, you know, people know what I'm saying when I say that. Uh, it's not maximalist, I guess you want to say. Um, we, we, and it, it's a, it might be a different sort of read for a lot of people. Like, you, you know, you might not like it, you know, someone else might not like it, but we, lo we love it. You know, it's like, you know, and I'm using the, the, the Queens you, you know, when I say that, <laughs> but you know, it's like, we're still very open-minded, but it's just that we don't want this stuff to go out and we don't want it to go into extinction because it would be, it would just be horrible. I mean, when we get to the point where we have Neuralink and we can just see into each other's minds, it's like, who knows how, like what books are going to be that by that point, they might end up being incredibly important because seeing too much is maybe a problem. Like who knows, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just spitballing now, but I, like, I just want to, I just want people to say like, we're really, uh, we're not animal riot press. Isn't like some defiant, like, you know, contentious, you know, fuck the man press. It's not it at all. It's just that we think that things are becoming way too narrow. Yeah. Ironically, you're filling like, a you gap. Know, you're filling a gap that needs to be filled. Right. Right. So, but yeah, no, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Uh, I'll... This will probably go live um, second Monday of February. So not this Monday, but next Monday. Okay, and, cool. Uh, oh, one more thing. Yeah. Right, like, do you edit this, I'm assuming? Uh, not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> only if it's okay. requested or if like... Cool, fuck that. Yeah. Keep that in. Yeah. Um, let, <laughs> the only other thing I want to say is if you want to check out our books, go to animalriotpress.com. Yeah. Um, you know, check us out on Facebook, uh, Animal, Animal Riot Press, um, on Twitter, um, at Animal Riot Press. Um, and Instagram too. So. Okay. Yeah, and I'll uh, link. I'll put links in the descriptions of the audio yeah. and the YouTube version of this, and um, cool. I'll make sure I do it as well. Uh, and uh, th again, thank you. I love what you're doing. I know the grass isn't really greener on the other side, which is makes this all that more important. And so, right. um, feel free to s send me your press releases or whatever, and you know, awesome. keep this going. Awesome, we will. We all will right. take you up on that. Thanks. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. Right. Bye. Bye.